Welcome to Cruel Summer Book Club, a podcast about change, how we get through it, and what we learn on the other side. I'm your host, Jillian Anthony, author of the Cruel Summer Book Club newsletter, which is where I write about change in my own life. My guest this week is the first guest to come on the podcast twice, Um, and I had to have her back because she's my best friend. She's someone I talk to about life's constant changes more than anyone else, and she's made some huge changes in her own life since she was last on the podcast over a year ago. And I can't wait to share all of the exciting moves that she's made with all of you. So please welcome back to the stage, Samantha Stallard. Thanks for having me, Jella Thrilla. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be the first time second guest too, because I love to win competitions. (laughs) (laughs) You are number one. Um, Welcome, welcome back. Uh, I, you know, I always love these extended chats and, you know, getting, getting, giving people a chance to like, um, really hear me be myself a little bit more, which is nice. Um, Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I figured, um, we could just kind of do an intro a little bit together this week. Um, so, you know, me and you are always reading all the time and always swapping book recs. Um, do you want to go first? What have you been reading lately that you really liked? Yeah. So I actually texted you about this because controversial opinion, but I just finished Emily Ratajkowski's My Body and loved it and truly did not know what to expect because I, so I listened to this podcast called, it's different from the one you like, but it's called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. And they is, is I mean, the one by two girls. Yeah, the one by two girls. Okay, their names. I would. I'm not even gonna. I'm. I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not even gonna try and say that. Okay, names. but one of them's name is Ashley. <laughs> is that helpful? But um, totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Um, but they read the book for their podcast, and it was like split. Just one of them was like, "This is so great," and the other one was like, "I hated every second of it." And so that really enticed me to want to read it because I read her essay in the cut and didn't hate it. So I read the book and I read it in a day. I mean, it's not long, but I devoured it. And it was just so, and then I started following Emrata on Instagram, which is so funny because she's like the epitome of the type of woman that we're all told not to follow because she's just like body, yaddy, yaddy. And like designed in a lab to make make you feel bad about yourself but just how the book humanized her and was like okay we're all insecure like truly every last one of us even the most beautiful woman in the world is obsessed with her weight and how men perceive her so and I thought she was just a beautiful writer as well and I don't know I just I really made me fall in love with her and it was she has such an interesting dynamic with her parents because of course she does because we all do. And it was a very interesting read. And I, I do highly recommend it to more women out there because it just, I don't know. It just showed that we're also well-rounded and we come in with judgments about every single person and they're just incorrect. So it was a nice like reassurance for me, gave me a little bit more faith in the world 
interestingly enough. But yeah, highly recommend Jelly. Give it a read. Yeah, um, I will. I didn't even know that she had a memoir out. Um, I also read the cut piece when it came out probably a, a year ago. So I'm a lo- maybe longer. What yeah. is time? Right. Um, but I, I also really enjoyed that essay and, and like found it really thought provoking and thought she was a wonderful writer. Um, so I'd be very interested in her memoir and hearing more about that. Um, does she talk about like what it's like to be a model? Does she talk more about that? Oh God. Yeah. She talks mm-hmm. about that constantly and just mm-hmm. how no one's ever satisfied. And there's she one of the, and there it, it's just a series of short stories Um, but early on, she tells the story of getting a really bad flu and losing 10 pounds and then going to a casting and they were like, oh, thank God you look so much better. And she was like, oh, okay. So this is what you want. And just the forever work to keep those 10 pounds at bay because she was booking so much more when she was sick and just how wild that is. And, um, she has really interesting thoughts on the blurred lines video and all the drama surrounding that and how it was like the director was a woman like the the crew was mostly women and how it was built to be this really feminist communal powerful environment until the men came into the shoot and then everything changed so Hmm. it's a really really interesting read on And her whole thing is like, I'm an object. I'm fully aware of that. Like all my entire worth is my body and no one wants to hear me talk. No one wants to hear my opinions. No one wants me to be a businesswoman or even a mother because all of those little details take away from you just valuing me for my body. Because if you humanize me, then you feel a little weird about objectifying me so much so it was so interesting and I am so team Emily Ratajkowski now like so so about it and it was fashion week in New York I did not see her I was walking around lower Manhattan being like if there's anyone I want to see I just want to tell her how important her book was to me (laughs) Um, but she doesn't think that or maybe she does she She maybe she you know maybe you're a fan that's not like you're so beautiful but you're like your mind is so beautiful I will definitely if you loved it so much I will definitely read it um please please. what are you reading so something I read that was really different for me recently was the people we meet on vacation by Mm -hmm. Emily Henry um have you read that one I have not and you're not a big novel girl no, I don't read much fiction in general, and I really don't read romances. Um, I truly think the only romance novel I've ever read is Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, I am, it is not, I've never, like, delved into it before. I have not read it, but my mom has, and that's well, important to note. You don't need to read it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so I don't even know, I think this might have just, like, come up on my library hold list. People have been telling me to read Emily Henry forever. Uh Um, I read it while I was on vacation in Europe. So it felt like a, you know, nice Mm. vacation read. Uh Um, And I just really, really liked it. Um, It was really heartfelt. 
Um, it tells, you know, uh, the rom-com story of a uh, boy meets girl in, in early on in college. They're uh, very opposite, but they become very good friends. They're friends, just friends, for mm-hmm. a whole decade until things change. Um, and what I like, I liked about it how the book didn't wait till the very end till they finally got together. It was actually like around the middle um, that they, right. you know, and it's like it's showing you, uh, it's it's basically showing you how they got closer through these different vacations they took throughout their twenties because she's a mm-hmm. travel journalist um, wow. and having a great time writing for magazines. Um, but yeah, I it was like in the end, you know. It was just nice to read about a love story. I think I just am in need of love stories right now. I'm like pretty down about love in general. And this made me feel like a little better. And I think maybe I should just like let some more romance into my life in general. That's nice. Did they touch on the subject of like, can men and women be friends? Well, I guess they don't really touch on it because I mean, they, as far as this book is concerned, they were never really just friends. Right. Well, right. Right. So like he's in the end, you know, he's, he's loved her this whole time, blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess that's a spoiler, but is it really, I mean, it's a romance. novel. We know that that would happen. Um, wait, Jillian, can men and women be friends? What do you think? Um, yes, of course. Yes, of course. My God. Um, I'm laughing because I asked an ex that and he said no. And that really should have told me everything about him. I um, kind of think no. Girl, why? I why know. do you say that? I don't, I like, is this a bad, maybe this is a bad feminist take, but like, I feel like someone always wants it to be more. Like there's one person in the friendship who would be down with like it being taken to the next level. And like, it's very when Harry met Sally, but when Harry met Sally proved that they can't be friends. Which is how, which is what your worldview is based on. I feel like. Exactly. There's what my worldview is actively based on. It is, we're getting into when Harry met Sally season. So, you know, I, I'm, it's on your mind more than out. usual. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and this is really, maybe this is like very self-centered of me, but I have either thought, every straight male friend I've ever had, I have either had the thought, I want to have sex with him, or I've had the thought, he wants to have sex with me. <laughs> yeah. But I do see examples of it in the world. I just don't think that I have experienced it. Yeah, it, it. I think it is complicated. So first of all, we're obviously talking about heterosexual relationships because yes, they're the only ones that are so inherently toxic that we even have to have this conversation. Exactly, exactly, yes. Um, but, you know, yes, of course I believe that men and women can be friends because I, like, men are people, women are people. Um, if we only like men for sex, which we do not, um, you know, it, 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 that's just like, it's, that's why that question is like, so insane to me. And that a lot of men would be like, no, of course not. Which a lot of men would answer exactly that way. It's because 
you know, I, I think like men don't see women as full human beings with like a full range of emotions and experiences and ways that you can be part of their lives. Um, it's, it, you know, it can be very just like, um, it, is this person going to be a sexual object in my life or not? Or like, are they a friend of one of my friends? That, right. I guess that's like how you can, how it's accessible and safe or whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's like, it's stripping each other of such base humanity that of course we're worth more than, uh, you know, being a possible sexual partner. Totally. And this goes back to something, a conversation that we have had about something my therapist said, if you remember, and my therapist was basically like the, she told me to date for friendship and because heterosexual men often are put men on a pedestal and are like, they're just all of their, not all of, and I'm, I'm making vast generalizations here, like beyond vast, but many men, many straight men um, are strictly friends with other men they idolize other men they put the friendship the value the worth of how men see them above how women see them even down to they read books with male protagonists they watch tv shows with male protagonists like women it is very difficult for a woman to crack through that and be a part of this world that many straight men have created. And so if you date for friendship and someone who you value, first of all, because that is the most important thing. Do I want this person in my life? Do I find this person interesting? Is this person worthy of my time? Um, When you date for friendship and a man like suddenly realizes that he likes hanging out with you because of who you are as a person, not because of like, the the sex you can give him that that's just like beyond powerful and so I've definitely been dating from that perspective now and it's been very interesting and the past couple men I've been out with have been like you're so cool I'm like yeah thank you (laughs) you mean I'm like a person with interests and like hobbies Uh... and a history so it's yeah it's this little social experiment right now but what does it make you how how does it make you think about it differently from your end it makes me not like prioritize the physical part of dating and so I'm not like going into dates thinking about like the sexual chemistry with someone I'm just thinking about like do I find this person interesting to talk to? And do I want to continue to talk to them? Like, do I want to learn more about this man and just have interesting conversation with him? Not like, oh, damn, like, is he going to try and kiss me? You know, like mm-hmm. worrying about things like that, which mm-hmm. have so often plagued me on dates where I'm like, oh, God, please, please don't try and kiss me. Um and like, and, I mean, it seems like an approach of just like trying genuinely to get to know people because, right. you know, even if you've been on 10 dates with someone, you still barely know them. Like that's the reality, totally. you know? So, yeah. 
Exactly. And like, we're all just bullshitting each other for the first, I'd say, I was going to say, I was going to say year. And then I was like, that feels crazy, but it's true. Like you're showing them the best version of yourself for a year. And then the cracks start to show. (laughs) You get a little tired. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I was going to say, you know, I think it's, it's complicated for me. I, yes, I believe men and women can be friends, but just like, it's been a kind of a sad journey for me with some of my male friends. Um, you know, I'm sure you've experienced like, especially, I guess, you know, like, let's say I'm at an event with my married friends. Um, the men and women just split up right away. I guess that happens in like a lot of situations. Uh Um, I had a, f- a, a male friend since college, um, and he basically broke up with me after he got married right? Um, because he really wasn't allowed to be friends with women anymore or, you know, right. and that sucks and like still hurts. Um, and my, I, but I do have one, I guess at this point in my life, I have one close male heterosexual friend. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I treasure him very much and we are very much friends and, um, yeah, there's no if, when, or like, it, you know, is it going to happen or not? <laughs> like there's none of that. And he's married. Um, and I really, really value him and he values me. Um, he actually came to visit me in Austin earlier this spring or this winter maybe. Um, and I was thinking about like, it's just so rare for mm-hmm. especially a, a married man to do something like that. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's, I guess that it's, it's, we've been shown or I've been, I'll speak for myself. I've been shown that, um, you know, heterosexual men, uh, devalue our friendship as we get older or like as life circumstances change. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was very normal in college especially. And so a lot of the like straight male friendships I had were from college and then, like you're saying, it's just sort of those were the first relationships to to fizzle out. And as other people got into relationships, it was like not okay anymore. You know, air quotes, like not cool for you to be hanging out with someone of the opposite sex without like what supervision, right? Like the, the partner there to like make sure everything was kosher. So yeah, just it to... Is- just to butt in, my friend who kind of broke up with me, he basically told me I was no longer, his wife was not comfortable with me texting just him. He's right. like, we're, we're, we're usually on a text together with our friends of the opposite sex. And I was like, well, why would I text her? I've been friends with you for 10 years. Like right. that doesn't, <laughs> it's crazy. So it anyways, is. sorry to interrupt, but I just had to no, like, that, that so was a many... really crazy experience for me. Yeah. There are so many little rules like that, but you know, I can think of a straight male friend that I used to work with. We worked together for many, many years and like everything was always normal. He got, he got married. And then, so we like, don't hang out anymore, which is how it happens. But I think back and I'm like, if he ever made a move on me, what would I have done? And the answer is I would have gone for it you know? And that's, that's what's so interesting is because I really did value his friendship. And like, it, like it never, I was never like actively, I want this to be more 
but now that I think back on it, I'm like, if he had ever tried something, I would have, you know, I would have gone with the wind, baby. I would have just like ruined that friendship. <laughs> so maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> I mean, that I, for me, it's like, sure, maybe that was true in a small amount of circumstances. But for me, it's like yeah. almost, almost like 90%. No, I wouldn't do it. I've always had in mind, like, keep the, the friendship is more important. But I think that's more of a woman thing. So yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely more of a woman thing. And so interesting. Sorry to derail your yeah. intro, but no, you know, I mean, now that, now that we're this far in, um, well, I guess like before we go any farther, I just want to tell people a little more about you who didn't who, like aren't familiar, um, or who didn't listen to season one episode with you. Um, Sam and I have been friends for nine years now. Uh, we lived a lot of those, a lot of those years together in New York. Um, that's where we really became friends. And, um, three years ago, we both experienced really big breakups at the same time. And we were huge support systems for each other. Then, um, Sam called off her engagement and moved away from New York within 72 hours. She moved back to Atlanta where she's from, um, for a couple years, laid very low. And then she finally moved back to New York, uh, this January. So now, you know, you've already, gosh, it's like already coming up on a year that you've been back there, which is, um, which is insane, but you know, it's been, I just wanted to give people a little more context because you've had three years of huge change. And then this year I feel like has been another like really positive level of change for you. Um, because I just feel like you're back to living your best life and like where you really want to be. Totally. And I, I had to leave New York to understand how much I love it here and how much like I have to be here. And I really thought that by leaving New York that I would just like settle into a more calm space. And I I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. The pandemic was calm for me as it was for, for so many people, but I still, I didn't, I didn't settle into it. I was still like very antsy and I was still like, but I want to be, I was, I was full aerial. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see him dancing, you know? So I (laughs) just, I, I had to, I was going to keep going with the song, but I'll spare everyone. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) I know, but I just really, I miss this city so much. And I, in my, I feel like in my breakup, I grieved my breakup with New York so much more and was just heartsick over not being here. And, you know, when I moved back, God, my move was an absolute nightmare. And the city was like, oh, bitch, you want to come back? Like, you're going to have to work for it. And she tested me. I mean, my my moving bill ended up being triple what I was originally quoted. My everything I owned was being held hostage for like two weeks on a truck. Um, I had no internet. I was literally working off of my phone for days. Uh, slept on the floor of an empty apartment. Like couldn't get my dog here. It just it was like six weeks of utter chaos. And but then. I overcame it and you know shit still happens it's still New York but 
I'm just so happy to be here. And I immediately got a new job. Like it was just change, 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 change. But this is, I have to live in this trash city. I just have to. <laughs> uh, and thank God. So I can visit you. Um, exactly. You have your own two bedroom apartment, which is, you know, many, many New Yorkers like pipe dream. So I know, I know it's, it's great. Dryer, two bedroom back patio. Like it is, you know, don't get too jealous because it is expensive and very far from a train, but these are, <laughs> these are the New York sacrifices we make to pay insane rent in a city yeah. that wants us out. So <laughs> yeah. And I visited, um, in June, July, mm-hmm. uh, June, um, I was in New York for nine days in June. Um, we spent a lot of time together. It was amazing. And yeah, your place is wonderful. And it's just like so, so cool to see you back where you obviously like should be right now. Yeah. And then also uh, this summer, we went to Italy. We did. So please, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> and to Italy. Um, yeah. And we planned I, it while you were in New York because you had already had everything planned and I just sort of bought a ticket. Yeah. Thank God. Um, yeah, I had, so I knew I was going to go to Europe for August. That was like my plan since probably last November, maybe earlier. I'm, I was just like itching to go to Europe. So I did it. And then after I booked like my, my two tickets from here to London and back, um, I started asking friends, you know, where are you going to be in Europe this summer? Where can I maybe join? Um, so I asked Sam, you know, I started putting out feelers about like where I was going to be, where she might want to join me. And it worked out perfectly because you were in Prague visiting a friend the week before. Mm-hmm. And then we met up in Naples and went from there. Exactly. Exactly. And I had a couple solo days in Naples where I treated myself to pasta and Aperol spritz lunches and Mm. stayed in a gorgeous hotel, if I do say so myself, which Mm -hmm. Joel came to on the last night. And it was such a dream. I mean, I could really get used to not working ever again. (laughs) Uh, Me too. I really did get used to it because I did did not work for a full five weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Was it hard to come back and work? Did you feel like ready to be productive again or was it a slog you know what's been so I did feel like genuinely rested and I didn't take my laptop on the trip like I other than you know sometimes I would sink into my phone here and there but like I didn't watch tv like my screen time was taken away and in my life I have a ton of screen time as most of us do Mm -hmm. um so I did feel like actually rested Um, I think what's been like stranger is just how deep seated my like bad habits are as far Mm. as the ways I waste time, the way my screen time, um, that kind of stuff. Like, I think that that's been unsettling for me because I do feel ready to get back to work. Um, although it's slow right now because I'm having to rebuild my freelance, um, you know, portfolio of like, and clients, um, but yeah, I, it's like, it's going to take a lot of work for me to really change the bad habits I have. And I've already done a lot of work on changing my bad habits oh God, this yeah. year. 
So it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to know that. Well, it's like you never reach nirvana, you know, you never like fix every bad habit and then you're perfect. Yeah. So new ones form, old ones come back. I understand. That's why Mm -hmm. I lock myself out of TikTok because if I didn't, I could waste hours on that stupid soul-sucking app. That has taught me so yeah. much and brought so much joy to my life. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I, in like, I mean, in Europe, you know, um, I was super active out every day, walking miles. Um, I, I was with friends most of the time, but like, you know, let's say there, there was one day in Bordeaux, um, it was like 102 degrees out. I went inside at two o'clock cause I was sweating my brains out and like slept mm-hmm. and then was on my phone for like two hours. And you know what? It feels really good and nice. And I also like don't want to give that up entirely. Um, But, you know, as usual with me, it's like hard to find the balance sometimes. At the same time, like I look out for future me so much more than I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's become like a really it's become way more natural with practice of like this goes with all sorts of things. Like, do I actually want to stay out later? Do I actually want to have another drink? Do I want to drink at all? Um, you know, what's, what can I at least get 30 minutes done of this work task today? Like all this kind of stuff. Um, and I know you're like really good at that, Sam. Yeah, I am really good at that. (laughs) But, and I, I just, I, I call it self-parenting. I've always just sort of referred to it as that when I do, when I do the thing that I know I have to do and I, I just tell myself like, okay, we're going to self-parent right now and we're going to do, we're going to like you said, we're going to answer emails for 30 minutes and then it's going to be done. I recently saw on TikTok, which I think I've told you about Jill, which is um, this therapist on TikTok being like, the past is memories and the future is anxiety. What is a memory but a thought? What is an anxiety but a thought? So like we literally only have right now and the rest are just thoughts. And the way that was like such a, Oprah aha moment for me was wild. And because I am always trying to obsessively plan, like today is Sunday, tomorrow is Monday. I have to go to a conference tomorrow. And I also have like real work to do. And so I've been, this morning when I woke up, I sort of started spiraling a little bit about like, okay, well, you know, where am I going to be? in the office for breakfast or am I going to be home for breakfast? And then where am I going to take this 11 o'clock call? Am I going to take it in my office or am I going to take it at the conference? And just being like, I have to tell myself like, you will figure it out tomorrow. It is Mm -hmm. going to be okay. You do not have to have a plan for your entire day tomorrow because who the hell knows how the day is going to go. Just Mm -hmm. relax. Like control is so huge for me. So I have to bring myself back down to earth, which is why, God, I mean, I'm meditating so much now because it is just the only way to get myself out of that like thought dungeon and Mm -hmm. refocus my energy. So Mm -hmm. it's wild, but God, just there's always something. Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a big difference between you and I. Um, like we both have anxiety and both overthink things, of course, but your anxiety lies a lot in the future and mine lies in the past. Um, like mm-hmm. I wish that 
yeah, I, I dwell too much in the past. Um, I do, I, you know, I think I do an okay job of living in the present. I've been working on it for years. Um, and I think, yeah, I guess like I'm, I want to build up thinking for future me, but, uh, yeah, your anxiety lives in like trying to make that as perfect and controlled as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And to be prepared for any situation, which Mm -hmm. is truly impossible. But what do you do about the past? Do you like try, do you like replay it in your head? Do you get mad at yourself about it? Like, what do you do? I mean, I think that for me, it can just be intrusive thoughts in general. Um, like I think I can get in weird spirals about, um, you know, things I've said or done, things that have been said or done to me. Um, and you know, I have learned different ways to like stop that. First of all, you know, as we're talking about thoughts and our thoughts, like our thoughts do not matter. They are not real. They are not us. They're a brain activity that we can learn to see for what it is and to stop basing our emotions off of, or to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, thinking any of that is real. Um, there are just brain signals that we can choose to ignore actually. Um, Yeah. Which is like in the, I mean, very hard. I think that I, but I do think I've been practicing that a lot over the last few years. So, you know, um, something that I try to do, like if a thought comes up, that's really disruptive. Um, like the example I always use is my friends don't like me. Mm -hmm. I'll like uh, examine that and be like, there's, what's the proof of that? Why are you, you know, where's that coming from? Um, you have this many texts from friends that's telling you they're thinking of you and love and loving you right now. Um, yeah, just like give it, give, give light, give light to the situation. Um, and also, yeah, just if, if thoughts come up that seem that are, you know, really taking away your energy, it's like enough, enough. Like this is bullshit. This isn't real. I don't need this. So just learning to see those for what they are a little better. Totally. I've had that internal dialogue so much where I'm like, ooh, gross, shut up. Like, stop. Yeah. Like, enough. What? Right. Enough. Gross. Get out of here. Yeah. You and I also spend a lot of time alone, which I think can doesn't do a good job of helping that either. Yeah. Because when you have a lot of it's not idle time because you have a lot going on, but when you are alone, there's no one there to be like, you're being insane. You know, you just have to do that to yourself. You have to self-partner, I guess, in that way and be like, you're being insane. Stop it. So. Yeah, which I, but I think we've both learned how to do that so much better too. Like we are better partners to ourselves than I, I've changed a lot um, in that way. I was just having a conversation with um, a friend last weekend about my self-trust has grown exponentially in the past three years. Like I worked on it. I worked on listening to my own voice. I worked on not calling you or other people the instant I had a problem. I worked on like mm-hmm. thinking it through for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like the connection of between, yeah, I trust myself so much. I trust my higher intuition, higher self a lot. Like that is so different than it was a few years ago. I'm super confident that I know the answer. Yeah. Cause you do. And like, yeah. You always do. And have I told you the story? Maybe I have, but I was on, I went on a yoga retreat a couple of years ago in Sedona and we actually hung out before and Jill literally dropped me off. Like she was my mom taking me to camp. At bye, my, sweetie. Bye. Be good. Make friends. I was like, 
I don't know anyone here. <laughs> but we did a um we did a guided meditation at that yoga retreat where we we were it was go to we were going to meet our future selves. Like the meditation was you're in a garden. And can you visualize in your head? Like can you see pictures in your head? I can. I can too. And I found out during this that many people cannot. But yes, I learned I, that. So too. I, I'm I'm learning that it's like visualization is a very powerful tool if you have it. And so I feel very lucky to be able to do that. And so I was imagining this this white cottage with a white picket fence around it and this gorgeous vegetable garden in the back. And I encounter my future self and she's this like just hippy dippy woman with long gray hair, like long floral dress, like bracelets stacked up to her elbows, just, just earth mama. And I was like, okay, you, all right, there she is. And in the, our, our guide was telling us, okay, you know, how do you, how do you feel around her? How do you feel connected to her? Like, do you have any questions for her? And my question was like, I've made so many bad choices. I've put myself in terrible situations. I, I just, I do not trust myself and I don't know how to make the right choices. And she laughed and I was like, bitches laughing, <laughs> like <laughs> mean, but she was like, you've gotten yourself out of so many bad situations. You've made so much good change. You know exactly what you want. You know exactly what you want and you know exactly how to get it. And don't, don't talk about yourself like that. That's a wild thing to say because you have, like I said, gotten yourself out of so many bad situations and made positive, positive change. And that's that, I mean, that stuck with me so hard. And then we were sharing in the group afterwards and everyone was like, damn, like, I just, I, I can't see anything in my head. Like, I don't, I don't know how to create pictures in my mind. And so I was like, wow, I have a like gift here too for visualization that I didn't realize wasn't an option available to everyone. So I feel really lucky in that. And truly since then, I've just had this sense that I know what I want and I know how to get it. It doesn't make it easy. And it doesn't mean I want to do the work because I certainly don't. But I know what the work is involved in it. And I was actually just tested on this the other night because I went on a date with someone and it was, I was being interviewed basically. Like this guy was just, he came with questions and I, I knew what he wanted to hear and I knew what was true for me. So he, and Samantha in her twenties probably. What do you mean by you knew what he wanted to hear? Like, so he asked me, do you want children? And I said, no, because that's a realization I've come to in the last few years is I really don't think I do. And I saw his face drop because that was the wrong answer. And mm -hmm. Samantha in her 20s would have probably, if I had said that, 
if I had said no, then, which I wouldn't have, I would have said yes. But even if I had said no, I would have tried to like walk it back because I would have seen that here's this man sitting across from me. He's, I, I can tell what he wants. I gave the wrong answer. Shit. I have to, I have to like walk it back and try and get the right answer this time or show him that, you know, I am open and I can be what you want from me. And just putting my whole worth in how this person views me. But even though I didn't like being on the other end of this table, like answering these questions, um, I mean, good for him, honestly, because there was no second date because we were not aligned on anything. And so we didn't have to waste each other's time. But, um, you know, it was very, it was very jarring, but I also knew the right answers. It was like, I'm open to marriage. I don't think I want children. I don't, I don't know where I want to live after New York. Like I just want to exist in the present moment right now. Like I don't align to any religion and just, you know, wrong answer, wrong answer, wrong answer, wrong to him, right to me. So it was just a very powerful experience and I felt shitty afterwards, but then I was like, good for you for sticking to your guns. And I mean, it's, it seems so simple. Like, obviously you're going to tell the truth about how you feel, but I think just for so long, I just wanted to be what a man wanted me to be and didn't really know what I wanted. So it was, it was a powerful exercise to get to say what I actually wanted and to, for it to be a point of rejection too. So I'm glad it went down that way. So thanks, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Um, no, that that's super powerful. Like, wow. I'm so, I mean, what I'm hearing in that is like, it also sounds like it was an early experience of you voicing how you've unlearned femininity in the past few years or like what we've been taught we should be as women because we've both continued to, uh, you know, in our thirties, we've really explored that a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, that's really powerful. And I think I continue to have those experiences too. Um, like I don't, I don't think I feel shame about, you know, cause I, I have these conversations on dates and stuff a lot now. Um, and I, you know, I am, open to marriage and possibly open to kids, but I'm also on the no side of both of those things. So that's like pretty much how I respond to people that marriage and kids are not a priority for me. So it's probably not going to happen because, you know, that's, that's how life is like important things happen for you. You have to go after those things. I do want a long-term partner. I'm always really clear about that. I went on a date with uh, this guy who did, he, he's, was in his forties. He wanted to get married and have kids. Um, I told him I probably wasn't interested in those things. Definitely not like this year either. Right. <laughs> so right. TikTok. yeah. Um, but it was just interesting because, um, I generally liked him. Like we weren't aligned with what we wanted, but he was, he basically said to me jokingly and also not like, well, me and you would make beautiful children. Mm. which is just like, uh, he, it wasn't creepy. It was more 
funny and endearing, but I felt, I feel like that's like a, a women's stereotype, right? Where women are like, well, look, our kids would be so beautiful. Like my, yeah. your last name would look so good, whatever. Like, so it was just an interesting experience to kind of have a man telling me that and be on the other yeah. end. Well, what I get so often from family, but also from not family is, but you would be such a good mother. I hear that all the time. And I guess it's a compliment. I mean, it is a compliment. It's just an interesting way to say, like, you're so caring. Mm -hmm. And when, like, that would do with, like, just you're such a caring friend and daughter and sister and, you know, this, that, and the other. Dog mom. Hashtag dog mom. But it's, it's, it's just like, huh. What a, what, a way, what a way to say that, but you would make such a good mother. Mm-hmm. Like it's a waste if mm-hmm. I don't do that. And it's like, yeah, there, there are things I could do that I don't want to do. You know, I could learn to be better at Excel. I choose not to. You know? <laughs> so. And like, do people say that to men? Do they say, but you'd be such a good father? Maybe they do. I don't know, but... Like rarely, the, I'm sure. The bar for fatherhood seems so low. Anyway, it's just like you—you you did something that your partner usually does one time, mm-hmm. and you get praised for it. So, not to shit on men because I am not shitting on men anymore. But I just like <laughs> it's just such a again like so many things in this world. It's just such a like such gendered bullshit to say. Oh, but you'd be so good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I'm good at other things too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your, I mean, it's interesting because that's supposed to be your inherent purpose. So it's like right. an unfulfilled inherent purpose. Oh, what are, so you're, you're caring. Well, what, what are you going to do with that? Like that right. should go to an unborn, non-existent child, not yourself or your family or a million other places you could put that. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's not other outlets for care in this world. Yeah. So I know. I know. But it is just it is interesting navigating dating with just such a different perspective because I didn't really date in my 20s. Like I truly I didn't. I had boyfriends in my 20s. And this is the longest I've ever not been in a relationship since I was 16. Wow. And yeah. And it's three years. And before that, it was about a year. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all very, very new still to me. And I'm not – what's also interesting is dating right now, I really – I don't want a relationship, which is also feels shitty when you're dating and saying, like, <laughs> I don't want this to go anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, it, maybe it could, but I just – I don't, I'm really enjoying being alone. And like, to me, it's still, it's still so focused on the freedom of it. Just the absolute freedom of not having to answer it to anyone or explain where I am or what I'm doing or how I spend my time or how I spend my money. Like just having absolute autonomy is so enjoyable to me. And I still look at relationships as a loss of freedom because that is how I have experienced them. So 
it's it's interesting and I know you don't have to be like healed to start something new because no one's ever healed but it's like I'm just still just enjoying this too much and the thought of anyone coming in and disrupting that feels like a loss that I don't really want to lose right now so I'm in a weird space still but I don't I mean that's completely fine like what's wrong with that as long as you're honest with people and not leading people on which you know as long as you're telling them that's fine people men and women are in that space and date from that space all the time just don't lie about it right enjoy enjoy dating enjoy meeting people enjoy sex enjoy whatever you want out of it um yeah I think like it's just not I think uh people think women less date that way, especially women in their thirties, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're expected to be wanting to find a husband, uh, six months ago, you know? Um, but like there's six years ago, right. But there are so, (laughs) I have so many single women friends who are not dating for marriage or long partnership at all are in the same space. So that's fine. Yeah, it is fine. And it's, it's, it, I'm just so thrilled to not be in the race anymore to have to have been given the gift of being able to redirect my life and think was that actually what I wanted holy shit no (laughs) it wasn't like no one ever asked me I know I never asked myself I just went with it because that's what you do that was the that's what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and you know it's 2022 and we're still not really giving women the space of choice. I mean, fuck, even less than we were a year ago. I mean, absolute dumpster fire. Who knows if we'll be even able to have an abortion in my state. We certainly can in yours, but who knows if that's even going to be allowed in New York a year from now. Like, that's utterly terrifying. And so just... Women need to know that they have choices Mm -hmm. and you don't have to do what everyone else around you is doing or and like we need to ask young women what they want and give them opportunities and not just let it be assumed that you're going to go down a certain life path. And I honestly challenge women in their 20s who think they want that to to sit with it for a while and really ask themselves because I feel... I've just, I've watched friends get married young and then they wake up one day with a husband and two kids and like a house in the burbs and they don't know if this was right, but they also feel like it's too late, which is so shitty. Like no one should ever feel like it's too late. We all have control of our destiny at any given time. So, um, I've just heard so often, like I'm in too deep and yeah, you're in deep. But I too have been in deep, not to that extent for sure, but there's, it's never like you just have to succumb to your fate and like slowly die. You know, there's always a chance and it's just, yeah, I just like, it's hard, you know? (laughs) It is. And I, I also just think people like us having these conversations more publicly and openly um, are important for, to for more and more women to hear, um, of all ages, because I also have friends. I'm, I feel so lucky that I have a lot of single friends in my age bracket, um, Mm -hmm. to talk about these things with and who are having 
uh, so many enjoyable experiences and are pursuing so many other things in their life other than marriage and kids. Um, but I know some friends that don't have that. So it's like, it's still such an important conversation to have as there are um, more and more and more single unmarried women and men. Um, the majority of people are in fact single and unmarried, majority of adults um, yeah. for like the first time in history. So, um, you know, we're, you're, anyone listening to this, like far from alone in thinking about these things and it, it just feels good to continue to have these important conversations. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, I am like just obsessed with how happy you are, how calm you are, all the things that you're doing in New York. And, you know, I've told you this so many times, but just to see you go back to yourself after, a couple of long, sad years, you know, is just, it's, it's so wonderful to see. Um, and makes me so happy as your friend and, you know, you're, you're doing an amazing job, sweetie. You too, babe. (laughs) Amazing, sweetie. It's been so lovely to watch you just take, take a good life that you had in New York, but say, I need more, uh, to just go embark on a, city that you had like truly been to once and <laughs> and really liked but just trusted that instinct so much to say like yeah this is where this is where my next chapter lies and to just do it and it's so hard and especially like starting over yet again but like moving to a new city as an adult and making a friend making friendships as adult as an adult is so hard like it's not you know, God, I just long for the days of, you know, the first week of college when everyone's just like ready, open and available to new friendships and opportunities. <laughs> and that I, it is the last time in your life that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And to try and make those friendships and to, and it's messy because you meet people who you want to be friends with and then it you don't want to be their friend anymore. And you're like, Meh, I don't want to invest in this, but I want to invest in this person. And it's so, it's so emotionally taxing. So, yeah. but like you're reaping the rewards of it because you're building this beautiful new community that you craved for so long. So you're doing the work. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, as you know, it has been really challenging and yeah. continues to be, I think um, at my year mark, things got a little more like emotionally real and emotionally mm-hmm. challenging for me as far as um, when I say my year mark, I mean, in June, it was my year mark of moving to Austin. Right. Um, so yeah, I, that journey continues, but like, I, I have no regrets. I am so happy to be here still. And now I'm like entering a new chapter of making sure my roots are really getting settled where I want them to be. Um, totally. So that's, yeah, a continuing process. And thank God I've got my close friends elsewhere. In the meantime, um, I, you know, when I, when I saw Sam in Italy, I had just, I had already been traveling for three weeks. We spent our, my last, uh, the fourth week of my travels in Italy together, which was fantastic. But I told Sam like, um, thank God I'm finally with someone I know really well. Um, because I, I loved the friends that I traveled with and they were wonderful, but like, we were still getting to know each other. And as everybody knows, it's hard. You're, you're, that's yeah. a lot of energy out. That's a lot of, um, watching your P's and Q's and like, in, and, um, telling these backstories about yourself. So like when I saw Sam and I could sit on the bed and be on my phone without like being like, am I rude? Is she, right. what's she thinking? I was like, thank God. 
So exactly. you need those people in your life. Right. Where we could just truly sit in silence for silence. an hour. <laughs> Please. Silence. <laughs> exactly. And you're not thinking it. Well, you're not overthinking it. You're not worried. And it's not like, like, is she mad at me? No, I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I just too am being quiet. And yeah, it's it it's so easy. And like when Jill came and stayed with me, I was like, truly come whenever because it is it's like you I'm not wound up at all about having you in my space or like worried about like did I get the right food is she having fun is Jasper being annoying to her it's just like the food just, the food especially is perfect exactly well thank so. you so much I pride myself <laughs> but yeah I it's when you when you have those friends where it's just when it's it's friends that are like family because that's how I act around my family it's just like I don't care what I look like I don't care what I'm doing I don't care what I'm saying yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. so that's that's when you know that mm-hmm. it's deeper than friendship I think yeah. yeah yeah well uh you know to wrap up this wonderful time together you know I always ask uh what was a piece of art that helped you through a difficult time in the past year so hate myself, but the artist way and sticking to my guns. It's like everyone should do it. And the way I have screamed this for the past year, year and a half since I did it for the first time, like I'm sure everyone wants me to shut the hell up. I actually gave it to our friend Louie for his birthday. I gave him the artist way and he was like, I don't want this. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you're going to benefit so much. <laughs> Someday. But it's, you know, it's a workbook. It's weekly projects that is, was written by Julie Cameron, a screenwriter. And it's not just for writers. It's not just for artists. It's for everyone. And I just like, if I could give everyone in the world a copy of this book and have them like dedicate themselves to morning pages and artist dates and just, it's just all about learning about yourself, which so many people go through life never doing like never looking inward and I just want to give everyone the gift of looking inward and to be able to learn and grow and to acknowledge past experiences that they've had that they've never really thought about and on a deeper level but there is so much to unpack there so the artist way please do it Jill did it yep um, preach, preach about the artist way. Um, my artist way secret is that I act so that the program is 12 weeks and I only did nine. And I think that's very common. I think people start and stop a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's really about time for me to start again and, and yeah. go for the 12 weeks again. So, um, yeah, I absolutely also recommend the artist way. See mm-hmm. two out of two mm-hmm. podcasters recommend. <laughs> <laughs> And what has been a joy bomb in your life since you moved back to New York? Uh, Just being busy again, because I spent two years in silence, basically. (laughs) um, I, and I, I put, I thought being busy was bad when I left New York. I was like, okay, I'm getting out of this city. Like I'm going to have more time. I'm, but one thing I learned about myself is that I like to be busy and that's okay. And that was a huge realization of like, this is not, 
a character flaw to like to have things to do. And I always need something to look forward to. And for me, it's, it's even less about the, the going out and doing it's about looking forward to going out and doing. And I, you know, this week I have dinner with friends. I'm going to a Broadway show and I'm going to a professional wrestling match. So, you know, those are, it's going to be busy nights, but I'm excited for all of them. They're all so different, but um, you've got the range. I got, I've got range, honey. Yeah. Just so I, I like knowing that I live in a city where I can wake up in the morning and say like, I can, what, what are my possibilities today? Because I can truly see it all, honey. And that's, I like to be, I like to be in it. And that's something I've, I've learned about myself the past few years is it's just, I like to go and do and be out with the world. I am a Sagittarius and we are restless. So that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And now she is in it. (laughs) I've been trying to find my way back for a minute. (laughs) What do you have a joy bomb? Um, I, the first thing that pops to my mind is, um, sitting on my porch in the mornings and either mm. doing morning pages, which is just, you know, three pages of journaling, um, or reading. Uh, and I bought these wicker chairs, um, cause for the first, like at least six, nine months I lived here, I didn't have anything out there. And so it's just a really nice part of my routine, um, to be out there at like 8am, have my coffee, journal, listen to the birds. My cat comes out with me. My neighbors pass by and say hello. It's like such a nice part of living in suburbia again. Like I, I just really, really enjoy it. So, um, that's yeah. Having that morning routine and that nice start to the day is, um, really, really nice for me. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's better than scrolling through TikTok in bed. Which I also sometimes do, but not <laughs> often in the mornings, at least. Good. So. Good. See? Boundaries. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Sam. I love and adore you. And please tell everyone where they can find more of your work. Yeah. So I'm Samantha J. Stallard on Instagram. And that's also my website, which desperately needs to be updated. Something I have truly been ignoring for one year big same big same like so much to the point where I'm like I don't want to actually don't go to my website because it's not (laughs) updated um so (laughs) I'm SJ Stallard on Twitter because my full name is too long and yeah it's just basically me retweeting like leftist feminist politics but that's that's my dark little corner of the internet but yeah and a yoga teacher as well and working on my Reiki certification. So well-rounded bitch. Yeah. She'll get your head right. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Sam, so much for being here. I, you know, I really appreciate it. And it's always so amazing to connect with you in this way. Love you, Jill. And I'll be back for season three because I demand it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and thank you everyone for listening to Cruel Summer Book Club. If you like this podcast, please take the time to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me reach more listeners. And you can find more of my work at cruelsummerbookclub.substack.com and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jilla Thrilla. See you next week and take care of your heart. <laughs>